So today we're in Acts chapter 13. We're going to talk about a subject that jumped off the page at me recently. Let's read it. Acts 13, 13 through 23. Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Persia in Pamphylia. John, however, left them and went back to Jerusalem. They continued their journey from Persia and reached Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have any message of encouragement for the people, you can speak. Then, standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and spoke. Men of Israel... And you who fear the Almighty, listen. The Mighty One of this people, Israel, chose our forefathers, exalted the people during their stay in the land of Egypt, and led them out of it with a mighty arm. And for about 40 years he put up with them in the desert. Then after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave their land to them as an inheritance. This all took about 450 years. After this he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet Then they asked for a king, so the Mighty One gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. After removing him, he raised up David as their king, of whom he testified, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will carry out all my will. From this man's descendants, according to the promise, the Almighty brought the Savior, Yeshua, to Israel. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. The text that we just read, as you saw, is a portion of really a sermon, a salvation sermon that was preached by the Apostle Paul. And it was preached to the unbelieving men of Israel in the synagogue there in Antioch. I've been doing some writing in a book lately, and I've been writing some about Acts chapter 13. And sometimes when you write about a big picture, you see some of the smaller pictures that are embedded in the bigger picture. And so the big picture in Acts 13 is that Paul is presenting the promised Messiah, the Son of Yahweh, to the men of Israel. He's the man through whom forgiveness of sins comes. Acts 13, 38 through 39. We'll get more into that in a later lesson. The other day, verse 22 stood out to me. Paul begins preaching here by bringing up the history of the Israelites. Notice that he mentions their deliverance from Egypt... Remember, under Moses, their years in the wilderness, it says that he put up with them, or your Bible might say he suffered them in the wilderness. That means he put up with their murmurs and their complaints and their hard-headedness and their sins and their transgressions. He put up with them in the wilderness for 40 years. Then he mentions their inheritance of the land of Canaan, how Yahweh drove out the seven nations that dwelt in that land and gave his people that land as an inheritance. Paul mentions their judges, Samuel the prophet, and then King Saul. And Paul says that after King Saul was removed, Yahweh raised up a man named David as king. And then Paul gives a recollection of something that was said about David. Yahweh said in Acts 13.22, Paul recounts that Yahweh said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will carry out all my will. Now you've probably heard somebody say before that David was a man after Yahweh's own heart. 
But have you ever taken the time to stop and ponder upon that further? Why was David a man after Yahweh's own heart? What qualities did David have in him that made Yahweh speak something so great like this about King David? Or little David? How was David after the very heart of Yahweh? The Apostle Paul has in mind 1 Samuel. I want to turn into 1 Samuel chapter 13 if you want to follow along with me. The Apostle Paul is thinking about 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 through 14, when he speaks in the synagogue in Acts 13 and talks about David, a man after Yahweh's heart. He's thinking about the book of 1 Samuel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 through 14, we read this. It says that Samuel, that's the prophet of Yahweh, said to Saul, who was the king, remember the Benjaminite king at the time, Samuel said to Saul, You have been foolish. You have not kept the command which Yahweh, your mighty one, gave you. It was at this time that Yahweh would have permanently established your reign over Israel, but now your reign will not endure. Yahweh has found a man loyal to him, and Yahweh has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what Yahweh commanded. Right there in verse 14, we read that Yahweh has found a man loyal to him. That literally reads from Hebrew into English, Yahweh hath sought for himself a man according to his own heart. Now that man, as the Apostle Paul mentions in Acts 13, is David. The Holman Christian Standard Bible translates the meaning of the Hebrew text as a man loyal to Yahweh because they believe that correctly brings over the intent or the meaning of the verse. And I think they do a good job there because I think that's what it means. A man after Yahweh's own heart means a man that will be loyal to Yahweh. In the Bible, the word heart is often used metaphorically in the sense of a person's thoughts, feelings, or state of mind. Yeshua says in Matthew 11, verse 29, I am meek and lowly in heart. That doesn't mean our Savior had a weak heart that didn't beat enough beats. He was speaking of the thoughts and the feelings and the state of mind that He had. He was a humble man. Lowly of heart means he was humble. In Matthew 15, verse 8, Yeshua says that people can draw nigh unto Yahweh with their lips, but their heart be far away from Yahweh. He wasn't talking about the organ that pumps blood there, being far away from Him. He was talking about how that we can honor Yahweh with the words that we say or the songs that we sing or our thoughts, our feelings, and our mind can still be far away from Yahweh while we're honoring Him with our mouth. Notice how the heart is used metaphorically. State of mind, thoughts, feelings, how you live. It's like telling someone that you love them versus showing someone that you love them. The Old Testament holds true as well. The Hebrew word for heart can be used both literally and metaphorically. In Numbers 15.39, Yahweh says to the Israelites that the strand of blue in their fringes, is to remind them to keep the commandments so they don't seek after their own heart. 
that doesn't mean Yahweh wants them to forget about their help and not worry about their heart. Literally. No, he's using the word heart in the sense of the Israelites' own fleshly, carnal thoughts, feelings, and emotions. What they place as first and foremost in their lives. He wants his commandments to be at the forefront. Thus, he gives them a reminder. The tassel, the the ribbon of blue. That ribbon of blue reminds them, don't follow your own heart, follow my heart, says Yahweh. And Yahweh's heart is found in the commandments. That's where you'll find the heart of Yahweh. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, we read that the heart is more deceitful than anything else. That only makes sense metaphorically. The heart is the seat of emotion. The heart, quote-unquote, here in Jeremiah 17 means the human mind, thoughts, or feelings. As humans, we often base what we believe on how our heart feels at any given time. Jeremiah, Yahweh, speaking through Jeremiah, tells us that's dangerous. We shouldn't base what we think or what we believe on feelings or emotions, human emotions, but we should base what we are going to believe upon the revealed written word of the Almighty Father in Heaven. The heart is deceitful above all things. When you see the word heart in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's the same word, whether it's used literally or metaphorically. There's not a different Hebrew or Greek word for the metaphorical heart. You just determine how it's used based upon the context. Because the literal human heart, the actual organ that pumps blood, because it's so important to our life, the word heart is also used to refer to how we think, how we feel, and how we act. When it says to love Yahweh with all of your heart, it's talking about all of your thoughts, all of your feelings, all of your state of mind, all of your emotion. Love Yahweh with all of your heart. Yahweh said that David was a man after his own heart. Now I hope you're beginning to get a better understanding of what that means. What Yahweh was saying was that David was a man who sought the mind of Yahweh. He desired what Yahweh desired. He thought the way Yahweh thinks. He felt the way Yahweh felt. He had the heart of Yahweh. What an amazing thing to be said about a man. Think about it. What if that was said about you in the Bible? What if Yahweh said, I have found, insert your name, a person after my own heart? That's pretty special, isn't it? It's pretty profound. Rightfully so. A person after the very heart of Yahweh is most certainly a special human being. David was a man, as you and I, brothers, here today, but he was a special man. According to the prophet Samuel, in 1 Samuel 13, David was more special than Saul. Now, let's meditate a little bit more on Samuel's words in 1 Samuel 13, because that's where the Apostle Paul is pulling from in Acts 13. He quotes 1 Samuel 13. If you read the entire chapter of 1 Samuel, that will be your homework. I had a sister email me the other day, and she said, I thoroughly enjoyed the homework that you gave us after that sermon. I think it was the sermon I taught about the wives in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. So that encouraged me to know that she went back and read what I had asked everybody to read. 
So your homework this week can be read 1 Samuel chapter 13. You can read the whole chapter. And if you read it, you'll see that what happened was Saul, who was king over Israel at the time, he got in a hurry instead of listening to the word of Yahweh through Yahweh's prophet Samuel. See, when Samuel spoke to Saul, it was just like Yahweh was speaking to Saul. Because Samuel was the appointed prophet. And so when Saul, sometimes I get those two names mixed up, when Saul did not listen and take heed to what Samuel told him, he was disobeying Yahweh. Yahweh was speaking through Samuel. Saul was supposed to wait until Samuel got to him. And then Saul was to offer the sacrifices to Yahweh after Samuel got there. But Saul felt in a bind. He felt like the Philistines were going to win the battle that they were in against the people of Israel, the armies of Israel. The troops of Israel were deserting King Saul. And in his mind, Samuel didn't show up at the right time. Samuel needs to be here. I think he needs to be here now. So I'm going to go ahead and force myself to offer the sacrifices. Well, right after Saul offered the sacrifices, guess who showed up? Yahweh's prophet, Samuel. And Samuel said, what in the world are you doing? Now, it doesn't say it like that in your Bible, but that's what it means. Why didn't you listen to my instructions? I told you, don't offer these sacrifices until the appointed time when I show up, when I get here. I'm Yahweh's prophet. You need to listen to what I've told you to do. So he rebuked Saul. Now, whether or not that seems like a huge deal to me and you, it must have been a huge deal to Yahweh. And I think it's because Saul was relying on his own understanding rather than the word of Yahweh. See, in Saul's mind, or in Saul's heart, he felt that he needed to go ahead with the sacrifices. He was in a bind, the troops were deserting him, and he needed to offer up the burnt offering to Yahweh. I need to go ahead and do it, because I feel like it needs to be done. That's what I feel. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above anything else. He should have listened to the instructions that Yahweh gave him. He got in a hurry. And sometimes we don't wait on Yahweh. Sometimes we get impatient. You know, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Sometimes we get impatient. We get ahead of what Yahweh is doing. We think Yahweh needs to do something like this and we don't wait on Him. We mess up a situation. When all the while Yahweh says, in your patience possess you your souls, allow me to work in my way and in my time, and I'll work it out according to my will for the good, oh, my child. Because if you're called according to his purpose, it doesn't matter what happens, even if it is wrong or even if it is bad to you, there's a purpose behind it. Yahweh's working it out according to his will for the good. Amen? Even when Yeshua, the darkest day, we could argue the darkest day in the history of mankind, when Yeshua was being crucified on the cross, the sinless Son of Yahweh crucified on the cross, what greater murder could you commit than to to murder Him? But yet, all that evil was taking place, but Yahweh was working it out according to His will for the good, right? Praise Yahweh. There was a plan involved. And so when we get ahead of Yahweh, and we don't trust Him, and we do like King Saul, what we're doing is we're leaning to our own understanding. When a wise man once wrote, lean not to your own understanding. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes, 
but fear Yahweh and depart from evil. So we might be feeling something. We might be having this emotion come upon us like King Solomon. We think, no, this is just a problem and I've got to take care of it and I need to do what I think is right. But the whole time the Scriptures are saying something different. And instead of following the Scriptures, we follow our own heart. And it's deceitful. And then Matthew says afterwards, but Yahweh, I felt like it would be the right thing to do. And then Yahweh says to me, like Samuel said to Saul, no, my son, no, my son. You have to follow my instructions. Quit leaning on your own understanding. So Samuel told Saul in verse 13 of 1 Samuel 13, you have not kept the command which Yahweh your mighty one gave you. And in contrast to this, Yahweh says in verse 14, I have found a man loyal to me, or I have found a man after my own heart. I'm going to take the kingship from you, Saul, who have followed your own heart, and I found a man after my own heart who will be loyal to me. So in the context, what we see here is after my own heart means, this is what it means, a man that will obey my commandments instead of doing what he thinks is the best. That's the primary meaning. There are other offshoots of that. We'll get into that next week. The primary meaning of David being a man after Yahweh's own heart is a man that will obey Yahweh's commandments instead of doing what he thinks is the best. David was a man who instead of practicing what his own desires, thoughts, and feelings wanted, he practiced Yahweh's heart. Meaning, he practiced doing what Yahweh told him to do. That does not mean that David was without sin. But it does mean that David's heart was inclined to practice obedience. Yahweh spoke highly of David in the Bible. I want to turn to a few of these verses. first one is 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. When I get them, I'm going to read them. When I get to them, I'll read them. 1 Kings 3, beginning at verse 1. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time explaining these. They're self-explanatory. But I want you to see how highly Yahweh spoke of David in the Bible. 1 Kings 3, it says, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, by marrying Pharaoh's daughter. Solomon brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace, Yahweh's temple, and the wall surrounding Jerusalem. However, the people were sacrificing on the high places because until that time, a temple for Yahweh's name had not been built. Solomon loved Yahweh by walking in the statutes of his father David, but he also sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. I want you to notice right here in verse 3 that the author of 1 Kings, this is the author of 1 Kings, mentions how Solomon, David's son, loved Yahweh. The way he loved Yahweh was by walking in the statutes of his father David. All right. Now, go down to verse 6. And it says, And Solomon replied, he's speaking to Yahweh, You have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Now that's Solomon. We have the author speaking highly of David in verse 3. Solomon speaks highly of David in verse 6. But I want you to notice down here, after Solomon requests for Yahweh to give him wisdom, 
Yahweh says this. Look at verse 10. Now it pleased the Lord, the Sovereign, that Solomon had requested this, talking about wisdom. So the Mighty One said to him, now this is Yahweh speaking, because you have requested this and did not ask for a long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you ask discernment for yourself to understand justice, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no man in any kingdom will be your equal during your entire life. And now this is conditional though. <laughs> Verse 14. If, if you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commandments, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Now that's Yahweh speaking. Not the author, not Solomon. Yahweh says, if you walk in my commandments like your daddy, David. Yahweh spoke highly of David in the Bible. Look at 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. When Solomon finished building the temple of Yahweh, the royal palace, and all that Solomon desired to do, Yahweh appeared to Solomon a second time, just as he appeared to him at Gibeon. That was chapter 3, the first time. Yahweh said to him, I have heard your prayer. Notice this is Yahweh speaking. I have heard your prayer and petition you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple you have built to put my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there at all times. As for you, if you walk, walk is a word in the Bible that means way of life. There's a whole message on that. But if you walk before me as your father David walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing everything I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and ordinances, I will establish your royal throne, verse 5, over Israel forever. As I promised your father David, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Of course, once again, those are conditional promises. But the point is, is that Yahweh speaks highly of the man David. Solomon, if you'll walk before me like your dad did, in integrity of heart, following my commandments, you'll be blessed. Look now to Second Chronicles. First, Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter twenty eight. And we're going to again see how that David is praised. This is the author talking in or writing in Second Chronicles. But David is praised, and he's a man after Yahweh's own heart, and it continues to mean a man that does what Yahweh says to do. A man that is loyal to Yahweh, a man that listens to the commandments of Yahweh, not just in the Holy Scriptures, but if Yahweh directly spoke to King David and told him, this is what you need to do, follow my instructions, David would follow Yahweh. He would be loyal to Yahweh. You think of the word loyal like you have a loyal friend. Well, David was a loyal man to Almighty Yahweh. Second Chronicles 28. It says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in Yahweh's sight like his forefather David. Notice, like his forefather David meant, means that David did do what was right in Yahweh's sight. But Ahaz did not. Then it goes on and mentions the sins of King Ahaz there. 
One last text. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 15. 1 Kings chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Notice how David is praised, but yet we'll see something else that is said about him as we close out. 1 Kings 15, verse 1, In the eighteenth year of Israel's king, Jeroboam son of Nebat, Abijam became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Makkah, daughter of Abishalom. Abijam walked in all the sins his father had done before him. And he was not completely devoted to Yahweh his mighty one as his ancestor David had been. Notice how David is praised and this Abijam is, is not. Verse 4, But because of David, Yahweh his mighty one gave him a lamp in Jerusalem to raise up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem. Verse 5, Because David did what was right in Yahweh's eyes and he did not turn aside from anything he had commanded him all the days of his life except except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now I'm sure that David committed other sins. I don't believe every sin is equivalent. I know that a lot of people teach that, but I think there are some sins that are worse than others. This one right here is mentioned as a big one. David walked in the ways of Yahweh. And he never turned aside. And he always did what Yahweh commanded, except in one matter. We'll talk about that matter next week. The last verse that we just read shows a flaw in David. And we all have our flaws. We all have our sins that need to be forgiven. I'll discuss that sin of David next week. And I will show you how that even that sin of David reveals a second way that David was a man after Yahweh's own heart. It does. For now, I want to end by recognizing that the first way that David was a man after the heart of Yahweh is because David's heart was inclined to obey the law of Yahweh. Yahweh spoke highly of him. And brothers and sisters, that needs to be an example for us. If we want to be people after the heart of Yahweh, then we need to have hearts that are inclined not to follow what we think, feel, our emotions, what's in our own mind, what we think is right, what we think needs to be done. If we want to be people after the heart of Yahweh, we have to have a heart that's always inclined to Yahweh's commandments. We always look to the Scriptures for our instructions and our guides and what we're supposed to do, whether it be in our marriages or whether it be in our homes with our children or whether it be in friendships and relationships upon the earth. We always, without exception, need to look and be inclined to the heart of Yahweh. You find Yahweh's heart in His law and His instructions. So as I close out, I want to give you two thoughts as I close today. The first thought is this. I want you to think about this. Try to, try to get everything out of your mind. Try to focus on yourself. Do your best. I know sometimes it's difficult. We've got a lot of things on our minds and on our hearts. But try to meditate on this as I close. Where is your heart? Where is your heart?
according to the Bible, we can follow our own heart or we can follow the heart of Yahweh. Are you seeking Yahweh's lead? Are you letting Him lead you in your life? There's only one sure way to do this. And that is to read His instructions. We talk about the Torah. Guidance, instructions, and teachings. As we'll see next week, even the best of us are not perfect. But even in our imperfection today, in your imperfection, is your heart inclined to desire Yahweh's way? Or are we constantly coming up with excuses to put our way into the mix? Are we attempting to follow Yahweh? Or are we deceiving our own selves? The Bible says the latter is possible to do. My second closing thought and my last thought for the sermon. Are we more worried about everyone else's heart instead of our own heart? I'm a person of observation. I observe a lot in life. I listen to what people say, do, think. And what I observe on a day-to-day basis is that people in general are always complaining about everybody else. And when we take up space complaining about what everyone else should be doing, that is space that cannot be used to focus on what we should be doing. Our time is best spent, brothers and sisters whom I love, my family, Our time is best spent by focusing on ourselves personally because we're the only person that we can completely control. Amen? We can. Concentrating on our own heart, I'm speaking metaphorically, heart here, thoughts, feelings, state of mind, concentrating on our own heart will lead to more personal holiness and sanctification in our life. If we spend our time, instead of concentrating on everybody else, concentrating on what we're to do, it will, over time, lead to personal holiness. What I mean by personal holiness is more obedience. More obedience in our personal lives. And guess what happens then? People will see that your heart is inclined towards Yahweh, and they will approach you for guidance. And it is at that point that you get approached that their heart is inclined to listen to the instructions of Yahweh. But not before. Not before. It is at that point that we spend time on others. If our hearts are not first inclined ourselves, we have no business spending any time on other people's hearts. We should be a people whose heart is inclined to Yahweh, and we should be a people who are first and foremost concerned with with our heart, with our walk, so that we may do what? Let our light shine, show, showing forth Yahweh's glory in the good works that we do. And then people come up to us and they say, Brother, sister, there is something that is totally different about you. And I'm just seeing loyalty and I'm seeing honesty and I'm seeing integrity and I want some of what you've got. That's happened to me before. I've had people come up. Nothing that I've done is just Yahweh's Spirit working through me. 
But it happens the most when I concentrate on Matthew, on Matthew's heart. I believe that's what David did. You read the Psalms, I believe he inclined his heart to follow the instructions of Yahweh. So that's my sermon for today. We're going to pick this back up next week and talk about a second way that David was a man after Yahweh's own heart. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity to teach your word, to learn, to grow. Father, I pray that you would create in us a clean heart, renew a right spirit within us. Yahweh, Father, may we may we meditate on the verses that we've read. I pray they would be remembered by the saints. Father Yahweh, may we focus on our hearts, on our thoughts, our feelings, our state of mind, inclining our life to follow your instructions. Father, may we be reminded to do this each and every day that we live. Bring us back here next week on Pentecost, Sabbath, rejoice before you, Thank you for another feast and get more into your word about King David. I pray all these things through your holy child, Yeshua. Amen.